All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for joining us here. Nice April morning, Tim. It's it's creeping into t-shirt weather. We're not quite there yet. It did snow two days ago, but we're getting there. It's a beautiful day. We have a guest today. A controversial podcast, potentially. Could get heated. I don't know what's going to happen, but we'll, we'll introduce him in a second. Tim, how you doing? I'm good. It's been t-shirt weather for about a month here in Charlotte, North Carolina, so... I'm great. I'm doing great. I wonder how the weather is in Poland. I wish we could ask somebody. <gasps> we actually have someone here. Oh, my goodness. So the I've been talking a little trash about the Arizona Coyotes of late. Rightfully so. They're a terrible franchise. <laughs> I get some heat. And this is one of their biggest fans. He does a podcast on the Coyotes. I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mikhail. I should introduce you now. It's Mikhail Kolchinsky. He's a diehard Coyotes fan. He wanted to come on the show. He challenged me on social media. So I said, you know, let's get him on the show. We'll hash this out. I want to hear what he has to say because I'm wrong sometimes. And I want to be corrected if I'm talking wrong. So welcome to the show, Mikhail. Hey, John. How are you doing? I'm doing (laughs) great. How are you? Great. I mean, just... uh... Talking trash about the Coyotes little and just of late, right? <laughs> oh, well, I, I think it's been pretty consistent since they traded me and we started the podcast. I've been a little hard on them. But in my um, in my opinion, justified because, well, Tim, do you want to break down everything I said or Mikhail takes umbrage to and then we can go through it bit by bit? Sure. So there's a couple of things and and he he's been, you know, pretty vocal on social media in the past. I do see those tweets and 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 I think you are most critical of Arizona than most teams, but I also think Arizona deserves more criticism than most teams. So I'm kind of I, I see it both sides, but some of the things that you that that um he's been defending is, is for example, the the constant state of a rebuild and and criticizing them for trading away all their players at the draft, but other teams around the league do this from time to time too. Is that right, Mikhail? Did I summarize that up? Yeah. Yeah, not sure. Yeah, that's true. Well, well, why, why I, don't? Yeah, well, why don't we let Mikhail talk for himself? So, what what don't you think is true, Mikhail? That I've been saying. Um, it's not like I think I, I totally disagree with you. I mean, I totally agree with Shane Doan when he said that 
um they've been throwing a lot of rocks at us but we've given them a lot of these rocks right or stones i don't know what the expression is but yeah uh, basically um i don't see any difference between the rebuild when the blackhawks do it and the coyotes do it i mean the re the concept of re rebuilding right is basically when you trade away all the good players uh, preferably for draft picks and then you try go from there and try to get as much talent as you can and fight for a better future and yeah sure blackhawks uh, obviously they they have done a way better job than the coyotes in that department but still uh, and i get that i guess for many coyotes fans it's it feels like it's been one big rebuild since like 2012 probably yeah but you have to understand that i know for the last two three years we actually had an ownership that actually uh makes choices and makes moves that actually uh make sense and i think this is the first true rebuild maybe even ever uh in this organization and I firmly believe that this time it is going to work. And believe me, I had my doubts when we acquired Taylor, Taylor Hall for God know what reason when we acquired Phil Castle, okay? And I remember all that John Chaika uh, controversy and all other controversies. Be believe me, I know that. But this time right now, I, I don't think this rebuild is any different than the ones that I know Blackhawks ones were trying to, to achieve or the ones that maybe Sabres are going for right now well i think the difference is the blackhawks are rebuilding from winning a stanley cup and they didn't start the rebuild until this season earnestly because last year they went out they get seth jones they get mark andre fleury they earnestly tried to put a stanley cup contender on the ice to take advantage of patrick kane and jonathan taves the last you know good years of hockey they had left so this is the first year they've done this and they they just went all in and rightfully so so to compare the two is a little bit off because Arizona has been in rebuild mode for, like you said, a better part of a decade. And usually rebuild takes what, three years, four years. And to compare them to the Sabres, the Sabres have never really been in a rebuild. They've just been throwing money at the wall and trying to see what sticks. I, I just think the Sabres have been mismanaged. It's not for a lack of trying. They've been throwing tons of contracts at everybody, whether it's the stalls, the Skinners, the halls, the, the everybody's the Ristolainen's, the everybody you can imagine they threw contracts at everybody it didn't stick it was only when they traded jack eichel when they started to say you know what let's pump the brakes and try something new my problem with arizona is a rebuild starts with what you need good young players and they mm -hmm. had that when i was there we had a, a a stable of good young players we had duclair we had domi we had tobias Ryder. we had oel when he was in his prime we had all these good young players and they still traded everybody away after a good rookie season and they mm -hmm. didn't get much for them. And they just kept bringing on these older players, just eating cap and just getting draft picks. And it just seems like it's been a wash rinse and repeat every year where it's like, okay, we'll trade our good young player. We'll get a bunch of draft picks. And then next year, trade our good young players, get a bunch of draft picks and next year, take on a bad draft contract, get a draft pick. And then, but next year, and they just keep kicking it down the line and it's frustrating because I like I played for him. I want him to succeed. But at what point do you just say this is a bad franchise and then keep like getting disappointed when you say, oh, this is the year, though. This is the year they're going to do it right. You see that? That's why I critique them, because it's like, are you trying to win? Or are you just like not? Because it doesn't seem to me when you can trade Ch Chitrin and Darcy Kemper, Domi, Duclair, Strom, Garland, 
all these players who are good players when they got traded. I know some of them fell off, but when they got traded, they were elite players. And you got to agree with me on that. So that's, that's where I get frustrated. You know, don't, don't, I don't know. Am I off base on something? No, I think you're right. Uh, in most cases, I guess uh, the, the Duclair and Dolmi era. I mean, I think the Don Maloney went through this like raw, long um, burnout syndrome. I guess I, I think he admitted that at some point that he really didn't feel like being a GM. He was just there for the sake of being there, whatever. And that was terrible. Uh, what was happening ever since they got to this uh, Western Conference Finals, right? Uh, it went a little sideways, for sure. And I agree uh, with you on that. And I didn't understand those moves there either. So that's why I'm saying this is the rebuild. This, this The one currently happening is the one that actually makes sense to me. And I don't think any of them before actually made sense any sense to me because you don't rebuild by acquiring some superstars uh, all of a sudden right that makes absolutely no sense and then the the team was owned for, by nhl for a couple of years so you don't have any good moves here i mean you're not really earning money you don't have like a whole ton of money you're just trying to keep the ball rolling for the say go rolling it and that's it and now, actually, this is the rebuild that I'm actually uh, believe in. And I know this sounds like all these people saying, like, that was not the real communist. Yeah, I know. But seriously, this this one's working for me uh, because I see the consistency. I see the clear, clear vision. I see the long-term ownership, finally, which I I can't believe I'm even saying that as a Coyotes fan. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, that's why I, I think this, one's, this one might just work. Okay, so we'll move on to the next one. You you critiqued me criticizing their ownership, their rink, their whole management. So what what am I getting wrong on this this side of it? Because we talked about the players. I think the the putting the the fruit is there. You, you can see how they're managing their players. But this this one's a good one. So we'll see if you're right in the next coming years. What's going on with the ownership, the management, the rink? everything all wrapped into one kind of what what am i missing on this one well yeah the, you, you said that the owner got arrested and actually the, that not as much of owner as the guy that owns like five percent of shares i don't think that but you did say he he does he has what five percent he yeah he's a co-owner yeah oh okay okay oh okay. yeah so he is an owner. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the same thing as co-owner for sure. So if and, I'm on a hockey team and I don't play very much and I go get arrested, do they say a, a player gets ar- arrested or a guy who only plays a little bit gets arrested? Okay, yeah. Because okay. It, because it, there's it, not yeah, many that's... people who own NHL franchises, right? Mm-hmm, right. So if one of them gets arrested, does it... Okay, I'm just okay. I remember like the, there, there was a time like in 2018 when the Sabres president was arrested and in 2002, and then owners, like plural, were arrested for fraud. So I I can't believe you were not calling this, I know, this team to be like relocated. For if that. we you talk know, about I mean, that, I will not shy away from clearly, talking about it. Yeah, clearly it's it, it doesn't work there. It just doesn't work there. I don't also, think I lied Toronto, when I said I their mean, owner got that, arrested. That, that team's a bust, right? But yeah, speaking uh, speaking of the, the of the ownership thing, I mean they're not going anywhere. I mean 
from an ice standing, it doesn't seem like. Also, the the ring situation, yeah, the, the city of Phoenix is suing Tempe. And this is not the first time they've done that. And uh, the mayor of Tempe said that once many times. He said that they be, simply are being bullied by the bigger city. And that's what Phoenix does. But also, this is, there, there's this, um, the whole thing is they, uh, they're suing the potential arena project because they think it's uh, going to create too much noise, right? The, the, the residential area is going to be too close to the uh, harbor, to this air harbor thing, right? But you have to remember that this uh, this airport issues those noise noise reports every month. And so far, the, the Coyotes residential area was perfectly fine. It was in the safe zone. And all of a sudden, right now, it's not like they, they drew this whole like spot. They basically erased that safe spot and they drew this like danger zone all of a sudden. So that's kind of a bust and that sounds actually ridiculous. Also, you have to remember that, uh, the Phoenix, the city of Phoenix owns this airport and they also own, they also invested like a hundred million dollars in the uh, Phoenix Suns arena to upgrade it or whatever. So it sounds like a competition fight for me. To me. And I mean, this is what it, it I, I know that. And that's why I think the Coyotes did something to ruin it because they they had an agreement in place that they would sign something and the people who own the condos or the apartments would not sue the airport for noise violations or whatever. And all of a sudden they retracted that and they just said, nope, never mind. We're going to sue you for even having the idea to put this here. The agreement's off. They pulled back. So why would they pull back all of a sudden when they've allowed other buildings to go in that vicinity unless the Coyotes did something to tick them off? So that's that's all I was saying. And it's like something something happened in this situation where yeah. Phoenix got upset and they said, you know what? Screw you guys. We're not doing this anymore. We're going to sue you. You're not building your complex here. Kick rocks. Mm-hmm. And I'm just assuming also, the city of Phoenix also allowed some other residential areas. Yeah, which further proves my point. So it's like they're letting that person do it, that person do it. Why, why not it the Coyotes? Maybe they have something against actually that this particular I don't know ownership group, this businessman. I don't know, whatever. I don't know. I I I don't want to accuse anyone of of anything. So I'm not sure. Uh, we we can't see uh, what's happening there. But I firmly believe that there's just like some interest in not having the coyotes or this whole complex there and not necessarily because the coyotes suck or whatever. And maybe there's some business thing uh, underneath maybe, but I, I don't think, I mean, I, I don't think this is, this is, this is, um, yeah. Okay. I, I'm going to go in circles. So yeah. <laughs> All right. What else was there, Tim or Mikhail? What else do you want to touch on before we shut this down and, and move on? Anything else you want to call umbrage on with the drop in the gloves show? Um, I believe the chicken trade, but I, I think uh, uh, because you said that this makes no sense, right? That the return was like yeah. really, really sucky for it. Uh, and I kind of disagree. I mean, I know that uh, our GM was saying like, yeah, we 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 want like two first round draft picks or whatever, right? Three that. or three. Yeah, three. That, that sounds, you know, that sounds like kind of a uh, I don't know celebrity talk more than actual management talk, but uh, I think uh, Jacob Chikrin is not the nicest guy there is. Also, he's not the healthiest guy there is. So I say the return for the guy is actually pretty decent. And of course, uh, Tim is right when he says opinion based is all matter of opinion. That's true, but I think the the 
the return that we got for him is actually pretty decent for a guy that rarely, hardly ever plays hockey. That's just my opinion. Okay, let's let's and just for, stay for on guy this that's like he's like what he's like twenty four, twenty six. He's pretty cocky. And uh, I know he he sounds like he already wanted to go to a Stanley Cup winning team, which also makes it kind of surprising to me that he actually Ottawa was on his yes hit yes list. So. Well, I think anywhere but Arizona at the time was was his protocol. He just gave them a list of 31 teams because he wanted to get out of Arizona because he's he's yeah, been for there sure. for so many years. And he's like, I'm done with this city. But so the reason I said they got fleeced with Chitron is because he's a good defenseman. I think he's a solid three, four guy, potentially a two. I don't think he's a one. He's a solid guy who's going to be a minute muncher, kill penalties, put him in the second power play unit if he stays healthy. Healthy. That there's obviously that asterisk there. The reason I say they got fleeced. What did Philip Ronick get traded for? The first and the second. Okay. Who is he? Nobody really knows. He's a solid defenseman. Chitrin. He's been their golden nugget. Their Willy Wonka ticket they've been dangling for a couple of years now. We got we got Jacob Chitrin. We got him. We got him. Who wants him, baby? Come get some. They've been just dangling this to everybody for years now. And then they finally trade him to the Ottawa Senators for nothing. It's a, it's a first protected, meaning it can't be in the top five. They'll probably get a middle-of-the-road pick for a Jacob Chitrin. Will he end up being an NHL player? I don't know. They had him under control for two more years at 4.6, which is a great deal. And if I'm a so-called rebuilding team and I'm trying to rebuild for the future, one of the few things I want as a GM is a guy who I can just say, boom, I'm going to plug you in for 25. You're not going to make many mistakes. You can put 30 points, 40 points on the board. Bingo, bango, bongo. Maybe they were scared by his injury history. I don't know. I would be too if I was a GM, but that's not my job. My job is to comment on it and for a GM to say, we're not going to, Say we're not going to even begin a conversation unless it starts with three first rounders, and then he trades them for one. I'm just mm-hmm. like, what is happening here? And then you later on in the deadline, you see Philip Ronick get traded for a first. I'm like Chitrin is better than Philip Ronick, and Philip Ronick is there's no slighting him, but Chitrin is good. He's a moose out there. Mm-hmm. The key is it's when probably, he's out there. Yeah, that's probably a matter of I don't know. You could say propaganda a little bit. I mean, how many players you can trade for a three? First round picks, right? In this league. I mean, how many GMs say they want to get three first rounds for a pick? Also true. But you have to bear in mind that Chicken actually decreased his own value uh, when, uh, especially after that legendary uh, press conference that he gave and he came out as like total a hole and mm-hmm. uh, it actually didn't do uh, good. Uh, it wasn't good for for the team. That's that's one. But it wasn't very good for himself because, like, I I think it sent message to all uh, the other GMs who probably were thinking like, yeah, who, who is this guy? I mean, who is he thinks he is, right? I mean, his ego must be like to the roof. And I guess I guess uh, that's really, that really decreased his value as well. So I guess you have to sell that and probably probably my guess is uh Armstrong uh clearly he didn't think he would sell him for like three trade him for three personal picks, that's for sure. But he had to do this propaganda like sell this as as I don't know with as much uh hype as possible so that he could get at least I don't know, let's say half of it. 
so yeah, that's that that's my guess. Also, you can't you can't. I mean, no matter how great in propaganda you are, you can't uh, unsee his stats, right? Like his like fifty six games on average, and when he's playing, he can be great. I mean, this season has been great, but last season he was like negative. 200 million something right so yeah he can't be good but not necessarily so i i mean you really don't know so yeah i guess that still the, the 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 return is pretty good i well I, I i guess if he wouldn't have came out with the three first rounders i wouldn't have been so salty but i was we were waiting for years for that trade mikhail you know that all right anything else you want to touch on before i let you go um, you said also, uh, yeah, the, the ugly barn that coyotes can't even fill, mm-hmm. which is not true because it's not ugly and it's actually cool. Every <laughs> game, <laughs> <laughs> all those, and I know it's like four, I know what what's the capacity, like 46, right? 4,600 or 46 something. people, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I guess, Jesus. That's <laughs> <laughs> I heard that a million times, but it's funny <laughs> each and every time. Seriously, it is a good one. But uh, seriously, uh, I of course it's not like NHL capacity. That, that's for sure. But it's actually been great there. I mean, the atmosphere it seems like it's pretty cool, and like all other players have been praising it. I mean, I haven't heard or at least read any like criticism over this particular rink. And I know that it has some flaws. I mean, they, they had li- very little time to actually set this whole thing up, but I don't think it's as bad. I know it's an easy target for sure, right? It's like it's like a walking meme if you if you think about it. But at the same at the same time, it's actually been way better than er- that uh, people thought uh, would be. So I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's ugly and I don't think it's empty. So, well, yeah. It might be aesthetically nice because it's brand new. I think at the end of the day, you could put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. They're an NHL franchise playing in a college arena. And the fact that they pulled it together at the last second, great. They had to play the first 19 games on the road, something crazy like that, or they went on Mm -hmm. a huge road swing. This just screams to the fact that they're a mismanaged organization that they have to cobble things mm-hmm. together to even get an arena to start an NHL season. This yeah. stuff doesn't happen in the AHL. So mm-hmm. all this stuff that goes on with this franchise at the end of the day, do you see the Arizona coyotes being a franchise in Arizona in five years time? Yes, of course. And I see, I mean, even in 25, I mean, they're not going anywhere. I mean, you don't to- think so? No, and to all of the Canadian fans, seriously, no, they're not going to Quebec. They're not going to Houston. They're not going anywhere, seriously. And Why not? not What good have they done in Arizona? Uh, I think Meruelo, he bought this team and he bought a hockey and NHL franchise in a terrible, terrible condition. And I agree 100% here. And since then, I believe... uh, they've been trying their best to actually make something out of it. And it's a whole lot of work. If you have that much debt, if uh, there's so much doubt in you, and I think the work they have to go through is basically gigantic. Uh, 
nearly impossible, but I think it, it is doable for them. So yeah, this transition arena, yeah, it sucks. I mean, basically, if they could have like this already like a 20,000 seat arena, uh, downtown Phoenix, cool, but that's not happening. So they did what they could uh, with the resources that they had. And right now they're actually trying to get this Tempe thing. And actually they, they're trying to buy a landfill that recently That's caught on fire. I caught on fire, I believe. Dumpster fire. And, and actually they've been, I think uh, what they're trying to uh, achieve there is actually pretty cool. And uh, like I said, this is the first time I believe in the ownership of this franchise and yeah, I can't even believe I'm, I'm saying that, but they, they, they basically inherited a terrible, terrible franchise, and they have to basically have to all destroy and like build again. As hate. Okay. Well, no, I, I love your optimism. Um, all of those things would be great if this was like the third, fourth year of their franchise. This is they're almost twenty years in. Mm-hmm. So I, I just yeah. feel like you got to know when to cut bait. You got to know when to say, you know what, rip the bandaid off. It didn't work. Thank you for trying. We're moving on. So that that's all. Otherwise, I love you for coming on. Thank you, Mikhail, all the way from Poland. Got anything to say to the listeners? Anything you want to parting words for us? Um, yeah, okay. Toronto will not make it past first round, and <laughs> <laughs> and Quebec's not getting an NHL team. <laughs> love you all. I love it. He's going out with a bang, Tim. You got you got to love that. Thanks for coming on, man. This is great. All right, Mikhail. Thank you very much. I'll see you on Twitter. <laughs> yes, sir. Take care, guys. All right. Have yeah. a good day. We'll see you. Wow. What do you think, Tim? He had some good points to make. And, and no. it's funny because no? No. Yes, he Well, did. the arena, I'll give him the arena. I, 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 I give you that. But I think all in all, I just came out on top of that debate. Well, that doesn't mean he didn't make good points. And I think, you know, to be fair, I think the Coyotes, I, I do see his point about like uh, hoping for a brighter future and thinking that like this time it's going to work. Not to say that it, like every rebuild is going to work because you collect a lot of young players and draft picks, because obviously you still got to hit on all those picks and develop those young players. But I do think they've collected probably one of the higher potential round of young players, you know, under that 20, 21, 22 year old age. The big difference is, and I think you've been saying that you said this many times on the show is like, you don't trust that management and that organization to turn that into success on the ice basically like before they can even get competitive they're going to start struggling again and trade those players two or three years down the road like they've done every time so he thinks it's going to be different you think it doesn't but i do think they have a better collection of young talent than you give them credit for listen i hope my five-year-olds don't pee the bed tonight there's a good chance they will so (laughs) there you go We, we can we can hope all day long but to date arizona has just done nothing but disappoint us don't right so am I not allowed to say that? No, you are. Like I said in the beginning, the team's been the most deserving of criticism for sure. And, and you look at like the dead contracts and you look at the playing arena. Tim, I had a list. Weber, Hosa, Pronger, Boland, Ladd, Voracek, Datsu, Cassian, Brian Little. This goes all the way back to 2015. Wasn't Tim Thomas one of them at one point too? Probably. I didn't go. I, I My hand got tired from writing names down. <laughs> so I, yeah. I'm just like, I didn't even get into that. I didn't even get into the fact that their total salary this season right now to date is $42 million. Total for their players. They have $31 million in buried money. They pay their defense $7.5 million for the whole defense. So some of them, 
They have seven uh, dead contracts. Some of them are technically on LTIR, but that's just that's just the logistic move. It's the dead contract. And out of those seven, four of them have never and will never ever play for their team. A couple of them are like Andrew Ladd, but even that was like, you know, that is what it is. Very so, money. Yeah. 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 Right, let's move on. Good. Uh, and this is a segment I want to do. So if you're a perturbed fan and you're annoyed at what I'm saying, bring it on. Let's go. We're going to have a debate. Just message us on the show. Throw us a DM. We'll get you on. Mikhail was upset. Hopefully, he still listened to the show. It was a great conversation. Let's have a let's have an earnest man to man conversation. You know what I mean? And if I, and if I'm wrong, so be it. I'll admit to it. But if you're wrong, you better admit to it. Mikhail was a little, Mikhail admitted to it. There's a lot of times you're like, you know what? You're right, hundred percent. All right, moving on, Tim. Let's get to some big hockey news. There are some consequential consequential games happening this week. Huge games, big games last night. The Calgary Flames stayed up late, Tim. Eked, eked out a win last night versus the hapless, gosh, who did they beat? Anaheim Ducks. Anaheim Ducks. I thought it was going to be a loss for the Calgary Flames. Jacob Markstrom stunk. Darth Vader comes in, stunk. Friend of the show, Milan Lucic, just rescued them from the pits of despair. Top shelf goal. Then Michael Stone, out of nowhere, game winner with like two and a half minutes left to just give them a sorely needed two points that they needed because they are in tough against the Winnipeg Jets. What other games we got to look forward to this week, Tim? Yeah, so just speaking of the Calgary real quick, they've won four straight now. And so they they are making, they've made up a lot of ground in the last week, week and a half. And the, and the Jets have started to turn around a little bit too because they were sliding a little bit, but they've won two in a row and they play each other on Wednesday night. So that's a big game that has major, major consequences. And then another one I've got my eye on too, just tomorrow night, Tuesday night, the Sabres versus the Panthers. Yeah. Now just to set the, set the table a little bit, the Penguins lost late in the third to the Bruins on Saturday. And they didn't get a much needed point. They thought it was going to go to overtime or at least get one. Um, but Bruins scored late. But they did beat the Flyers yesterday to gain back that second wild card spot. They, they leapfrogged the Panthers um, just by one point. And so the Panthers are fighting back now. And the Sabres have making things interesting, which we love to see. They're five points back from the Penguins for that second spot, four points behind from the Panthers. They have two games in hand on each of them. And the Sabres and the Panthers play each other Tuesday night. This is like do or die time, especially for the Panthers. So this would be a, a big, big game to watch. Well, especially for the Sabres. If the Sabres lose this game, they're done. Yeah. Absolutely done. I think Florida can lose and still have a potential possibility to catch Pittsburgh. And the first wild card holder, the New York Islanders, have been losing a few games. All of a sudden, both wild card spots are up for grabs. The Islanders are sitting at 87 points. They played 78. They only got four games left. So if they don't get their act together, luckily for them, they're getting Matthew Bards all back, I think, this coming game. But boy, oh boy. All of a sudden, you got the Islanders in Pittsburgh. Who knows if they're going to stick with those two spots? You got Florida, you got Buffalo breathing down their necks. And if anybody slips up, the Senators might be able to eke in. I don't think they will, but it's four teams, two spots. Very, very exciting. And they all play each other. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. Who do you think gets in? I know I've done this a hundred times with you, and every time our answers change. But as you look at the standings now, Goes the Islanders, Pittsburgh, Florida, Buffalo. They're all separated by six points. Buffalo has two games on Florida and Pittsburgh, three games on the Islanders. So if Buffalo wins all three of those games, they're tied with the Islanders. Will they win all three? I don't know. Going back to my question, who gets in, Tim, out of these four teams? Let me know. I really want Buffalo to win, but I think it's going to be Pittsburgh, and then I think the two teams are going to stay. I really do. 
Um, I want to say the Islanders would be the odd man out, but I just don't see them losing this many in a row this late in the season. I think they've got an experienced group that'll pull it together. They are in a little bit of a slide, like you said, but I think that they eke it out and maybe they even slip to that second spot. But I do think it's going to be this, this two teams stick it out. Panthers, or sorry, Penguins and Islanders. I don't know. The Islanders are making me a little nervous. They have a couple days off. It's Monday now. They don't play till Thursday, but they play the Tampa Bay Lightning. But then here's the question. Does Tampa Bay really ice their team? We've seen Toronto starting to rest some players. You've seen Boston already starting to rest some players. Will we see the full Tampa Bay Lightning? I don't know. That could play a factor in all of this. But if they lose to the Lightning, they got three games left. I think they should run the table on those three games. They play the Flyers, they play the Capitals, and they play the Canadians. That might not even be enough. So in my eyes, the way I see things now, I think I think Pittsburgh stays in. I like their chances. And depending on who wins this game tonight, Buffalo or Florida, that will be the second wild card holder. So Pittsburgh gets the first wild card, Florida or Buffalo gets a second wild card. I would much rather see a Buffalo Sabres team get into the playoffs. I think they'd be exciting to to play against and to watch. Tage Thompson, gotta love that. Dylan Cousins, you gotta love that. Lots of young guys who could get their feet wet in the playoffs. Going forward, five years from now, I think this does more for the Sabres franchise than it does for all three of these franchises. Pittsburgh's on their way down. Islanders are on their way down. Florida, who knows where they're headed? But I would love to see the Sabres get in. Does it make you nervous, Tim? Here's a question for you. Because the Bruins just eked by the Penguins, if the standings hold and the Penguins end up with that second wildcard spot, you nervous? No, no. Um, I was going to ask you the same thing. I, I think the only team that makes me nervous in this group would be Florida. Um, just because I, I, we haven't seen a lot of them this season. And I think they could probably match the Bruins pretty well, like the Kachucks of the world. But none of the teams make me super nervous. Pittsburgh doesn't make me nervous. The Islanders do, but they're just such a boring team. And I don't, I have a hard time believing in them being successful in the playoffs. So of, of those teams, I think Florida has the most potential to be a high scoring, a high scoring team that could beat you in different ways. But None of them really make me keep me up at night. Buffalo doesn't make you nervous if you're Boston, even though you've beaten them 14 to one over the last two games. They don't yeah, make you nervous. They don't. No, no. All right. Moving to the Western Conference then. We got some huge games in the Western Conference. We got Edmonton versus LA, Vegas versus LA. We got Calgary playing a bunch of games. Out of those teams in the West, same question in the East. I think Seattle has solidified their spot if they win the games that they have to win. They have seven or yes, seven games left way more than anybody else. If they win half of them, they get into the playoffs. Winnipeg and Calgary stones throw from each other. They each have five games left, two points apart. Who wins the last wild card, Tim, between Winnipeg and Calgary? Last time you asked me, I said Winnipeg, but I'm thinking I'm changing my tune. Calgary just keeps finding out ways to win and Winnipeg has not, they should, they were not too long ago, like maybe a month ago, they were first or second in their division. Now they slide all the way down to the second wildcard spot fighting for their life. It's not a good look for this team. And I don't think you really see a lot of compete. Meanwhile, not maybe last week, the week before we said the same thing about Calgary when they got blown out with a chance to beat a, a team at home and they couldn't even put up a competitive game. So these things go by so quickly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Calgary though. Is the game that they play on Wednesday, the, the deciding factor? If, I think it has to be, yeah. So whoever wins that game makes the playoffs. That's your opinion. I mean, uh, yeah, to, sim- to simplify, I'll say yeah. I agree. I think whoever wins that game takes that final spot. Even if Calgary wins and they're tied in points, I still think they go on to win. The Jets still have to play the Minnesota Wild. They have to play the Colorado Avalanche. But the Calgary Flames have an easy remaining schedule after that. They get to play the Cupcakes like Arizona, Chicago, San Jose. So that's the game, Tim, that I'm going to be watching. That's a Wednesday night game. Very exciting. 
stuff happening in the NHL coming out to the playoffs. What else are we talking about here, Tim? Yeah, well, LA clinched the playoff spot last night. And it's really interesting because you look at the, the central division and none of the teams, it's the only division where no teams have clinched the playoff spot yet. All three other division, all three spots in each of them have been clinched, but nothing, it's still very, very tight in the central. We have Minnesota, Colorado, and Dallas all within one point of each other, 97, 96, 96. They don't really play each other again in that, you know, among those three teams in the rest of the season. So it's kind of up to them to go out and win those, those games against the other teams. But Vegas plays in, in the, in the Pacific, all three of these teams are Vegas, Colorado, Edmonton within two points of each other. And Vegas plays both of the, those other teams this week, uh, which will be really exciting. So I think there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, must watch hockey games. If this week, if you're a hockey fan that wants to look beyond your own team and see the, the big games throughout the rest of the season. Cause these guys, they're going to treat it like a playoff game because it basically is. I think the advantage of finishing first in your division is, is really big in the Western conference. I think in the East, it's not as big because Pittsburgh's dangerous. Florida's dangerous. The Islanders are dangerous with the depth that they have and the, the amount of veterans that they have. They could be scary. The goaltending in the West if you finish first in your division, you get the luxury of playing Calgary or Seattle or Winnipeg rather than having to face a Colorado, a Dallas, an L.A. or an Edmonton. Those are scary teams to me if for a first-round matchup. So I'm doing everything I can to get that first seed in my division because, man, it would stink if I'm Minnesota and I lose out on that number one seed in the first, like the last game of the season, I have to go up and face Colorado first round. That would stink. Knowing that I could have had a not a cakewalk, but I could have went and played the Seattle Kraken or the Winnipeg Jets or the Calgary Flames, who I've handled handily this year. So it'll it'll be interesting coming down the stretch. I think Vegas will hold that first spot in the Pacific. They've been playing really well of late. I like the way they're gelling here at the end of the season. Jonathan Quick has just been playing fantastic. And in the central, Tim, I don't know what to think. I really don't. Dallas has been sputtering. Colorado's been playing fantastic. Minnesota, Ryan Reeves, friend of the show, has just been carrying this team. So we'll see what happens. Do you know the prognosis on Kirill Kaprizov when he's supposed to be back? I saw a report yesterday that he's already skating. So I don't know if he's um I could be wrong, but I don't I don't know if there's a timetable yet for return, but I would expect he's back in the playoffs. That'd be fantastic. They can get him back. So keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on the wild card. The West's exciting. Five games left, mostly for everybody. Uh the end of this week's going to be great. Next next Monday show is going to be super fun to talk about. We'll get into the playoff matchups. It'll be great. All right, what else are we going to talk about today, Tim? Yeah, just as usual, I like to collect these like cool bits of information and stats and everything. And I, some guys are having really impressive seasons, even more impressive than I think I realized. So talk about Dougie Hamilton first. This is his second season as a New Jersey Devil. He's played 75 games, 69 points, 19 goals. His goals for expected percentage is second among defense his goals are i don't even know if that's like scf i don't even know if that's second number but it's another advanced stat that he's first among d-men scoring the, chances for scoring chances for and the best offensive seasons in their entire career by chris letang sergey gonchar scott niedemeyer and duncan keith are lower than what dougie hamilton's doing this season when you look at those advanced stats so pretty pretty impressive number from him especially since he didn't do as great his first year um with that team Another big defenseman here. Is this here. because of Jack Hughes? Yeah, the Jack Hughes effect. Is that uh, what it is? Or is it because he finally got some help on the back end? Maybe John Marino came in last Ryan year, Graves. I believe. Yeah. Ryan Graves was there last year. But it seems like everybody wearing a Devils uniform is playing good this year. They're like the yeah. Bruins. They're having a I, great season across the board. I'm telling you, I think they're going to beat the Rangers in the first round. I really do. I, I would 
totally believe it. They have exactly what it takes. They're strong down the middle. Hearshire, Hughes, Halla. Look at the Triple H. Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Did they have a t-shirt in New Jersey, the Triple H? They, they should. better. They do now. All right. What else, Tim? Yeah, another big defenseman. Everyone knows how good of a season Eric Carlson's having, but do you really know how good of a season he's having? Because tonight, the other night, he had his fifth four-point game of the season. He had five four-point games in his entire career before this season. All those numbers, all those Norris trophies, all those record-breaking seasons, he's that much better this year. Five this year, four-point and compared to five his whole career, which is crazy. Another crazy stat that well, goes... hold ahead. on. Pump the brakes on this Eric Carlson thing. When you look into the... the adv- advanced advanced stats with him <laughs> the double he's, not ha- he's sacrificing every inch of his effort on the ice on the offensive end he's playing terrible in his d zone he, he he's awful tim the clips Goal- of him his being goals burned. expected yeah oh he, yeah he's getting burned nightly not even trying i, I thought he was hurt at one point no That's just how he plays he is just going all out on the offensive end why not you're on a garbage team and he's trying to get a hundred points. I get it, but it's laughable. The amount of effort he spends in the defensive zone. It's just, it's criminal. I've changed my tone. He should not win the Norris. No. Even if he hits a hundred, no. When all these other defensemen were getting a hundred points, they were on good teams. They were making Stanley cup runs and it's just, he should not win the Norris. It should go to somebody else, but he probably will because everybody loves the stats, loves the big numbers, 100 points. But pfft, it's it's a joke how little well, he tries in the defensive zone. It's funny because I had the opposite reaction. I've been like saying I don't think he deserves to win it. And now I'm looking at maybe he is that much better than everyone else, at least offensively. The second stat here, a defenseman in the NHL has scored four plus points in an NHL games 21 times this season. He has... Uh, fifth, five of them, and sixteen other guys have have won. No one else has has done it twice. He's done it five times. It really is just kind of laughing the competition when it comes to offensive production from a defenseman here. Yeah, uh, and yeah. actually, a lot of it has to speak with the NHL goals up in total. So I saw um, Pierre LeBron tweeted this out: the NHL is averaging six point three seven total goals per game, which is the highest average since nineteen ninety three ninety four season when it was six point four eight really really crazy what do you attribute that that goal scoring to everything players are better i don't know the way the game's played now it's it's a run and gun league everybody wants to score i I believe it here's my question i would like to see the ratings have the ratings increased that's what i want to know because that's what it's all about are we getting eyeballs on the game that's what they said would happen if we scored more goals maybe there are i hope i hope there is because i like watching goals it's fun I saw a tweet this morning that was um, Swayman and Omark have done more to grow their game and their fan base with their goalie hugs after every after every win than Connor McDavid has done doing anything. And it's there's some, who tweeted that you? I'm sure it was a Bruins fan. But think about like the engagement that that happens as opposed to like the best superstar in the world that doesn't even want a microphone in front of his face. You know, that's, we talked about that. That's dumb. I don't believe that for one second because they have a little silly hug after every game. Well, now I've got to watch. Because they're hugging. How much is this? <laughs> People stay on. They don't turn the TV off until after the hug. Um, Whoever's staying on that long is already a diehard fan. Bruins fan. Got to watch yeah. the hug. It's true. ESPN cut the broadcast off the other night, and they got a lot of flack for it on Twitter. Um, Chris That's Letang. a whole other thing. A lot of flack. There's probably like six people who said something. And then all these reporters write articles about it. They didn't get a lot of flack. 
you and your friends probably tweeted at him. Hey man, I want to see him hug. <laughs> that is exactly what happened. Um, Chris Letang. It is. It might not be you, but that's exactly what happened. Chris Letang reached a thousand goals, thousand games um, this weekend, which surprised going back, me. Going back to your Dougie Hamilton thing, because you mentioned Chris Letang, who would you rather have in their prime? Latang, Gonchar, Niedermeyer, Keith, or Dougie Hamilton? Dougie's at the bottom of the list for me. Uh, I might put him ahead of Gonchar. Just because Gonchar was not in your time. Gonchar was a fantastic defenseman. Oh, no, I watched Gonchar. Oh, yeah, he was on the Bruins, he the Penguins. Yeah, I watched him a lot. Um, <laughs> you're not going to gotch me, John. I got you. Well, because he was, he was on the Bruins. Of course I watch him. Yeah, Chuck Kovacu. Um, yeah, I mean, probably I don't watch Dougie every night. Really? The only, all I watched from him was when he was in the Bruins and he was super frustrating then. He wasn't that good at that point. So, so you would take all other three and it's okay. It's, it's a, not a terrible thing, but you would take all the other ones except for Gonchart. Well, the question's really not about my opinion. The question is about how much you value advanced stats versus like what's actually happening with the, with the eye test. Right. That's like an ongoing, it's a much bigger conversation. I agree. I might take him over Gonchart. But the other the other three, I'm taking them over Dougie Hamilton. All right, sorry, I just I just wanted to get your opinion. I asked you once who you'd take in their prime, Keith or Latang. You said Keith, it wasn't close. Do you stand by that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Were you surprised? I I love Duncan Keith's mean streak. I think he adds another asset to his game because he's unpredictable. The guy's a loose cannon. So that's why they're both gifted offensively. I get that. I think Keith has a higher end motor. He can just go longer. But yeah, they're both great defensemen. You know what I mean? Chris you know Tang, I mean? is, is he a Hall of Famer? I'd have to dig into it a little bit, but right now, I'd probably, I'd probably lean towards yes. Yeah, I would say yeah. I mean, three cups. I'm looking. Do you know if he's won in Norris? I don't think he has. Yeah, I don't think so either. But uh, hey, he seems to be having a good career. I don't know. I don't have his numbers in front of me. But yeah, I would lean towards yes. Yeah, no, no Norris, um, no really individual awards except for all stars. But everybody has an all star. <laughs> John, everyone in the league gets one, right? <laughs> At he least one. He was there in 2016. Was he? I beat yeah. his behind. <laughs> yeah. Who was the one you you who had, you had chasing you on the breakaway? Was that Duchenne? All right. Yeah, one of the fastest players in the NHL. I left him in my dust. No big deal. Actually, not to pump your tires, but when the way you protected that puck on that, when I was like watching the game in 2016, I was like, okay, John Scott can play. He's not some goon. That yeah. was the, that was the more than any other thing. That little that little move you did with your one arm, you won me over. Then I ripped a top shelf on Braden Holpe, or was it Holpe or somebody else? Like some no. all star goaltender, I did. <laughs> yeah. All right, what else? Your Bruins, fourth team in history to win 60 games. Yeah, and I think they have, I forget the exact number, but if they win something like three out of their last five games, they'll be the winningest team in NHL history. So, wow, cool. that's pretty neat. This this day and age salary cap era, that's hard to do. Do you think they will buck? Well, you obviously do. It'll be interesting to see if they buck the President's Trophy trend. President's Trophy winner hasn't won the cup in a long time. I think 10 years or so. Yeah, and I know every team says this, you know, but they really... <laughs> You're going to roll your eyes, but everyone has talked about how special this group is, how how strong the, the locker room is. It just feels different. Even guys like Krejci and Bergeron are saying it have been around forever. And Oh, it's just super different. Yeah. It way just different. feels, it does, it does feel different. I mean, they, they beat 
I can go on. Um, but another cool thing, another little record pass, Jason Robertson passed Mike Madonna for a single season record, 94 points, best in franchise history. Madonna had the record, but 93. And he was there in the building, so he kind of passed the torch. It was pretty neat. Does that seem low? 94 points for a franchise? Uh, yeah. 94, Tim. That's not a lot. In when, the grand scheme of things. <laughs> How many points do you have in your career? Well, for, I'm talking for a franchise. I know. When did the stars, um, when did they, when were they founded? They've been there for a good 25, 30 years, I think. They've 67. had some good players play for them. 67, 50, 60 50 years. years. Yeah. Wow. So that seems low. They haven't had a 100-point score. Does he get 100 at some point in his career, Jason Robertson? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, you're so you're so convinced. They haven't had one in 60 years almost. And Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah he gets it. Well, now you got a what is he twenty three year old with ninety? He has ninety five points now. You don't think he's? He could probably get it do it this year. No, I think does, he will. Don't don't give me slack. I'm asking you. I said you just, yes, you, and you gave me gruff. Well, you it. said it with such certainty. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. It's like not of course. Yes, of course. I, I do think he gets it, but it, I don't know. Maybe he won't. Maybe Joe Pavelski won't be his line mate next year because Joe's not getting any younger. He's no spring chicken. We'll see. I'm surprised it's only 94. That's all. That's all I'm saying. So anyways, I think that's it. You got anything else, Tim? Uh, No, we're watching these games tonight and tomorrow, and we'll be back Wednesday. Very exciting stuff. Are we getting Ryan Graves? Have you reached out to him? Yeah, I got to arrange the day, but I got to figure out which one, which days are off. All right. We'll get Ryan Graves on the show this week. That'll be fun. And I'm, I'm honest. If you, if you have a issue with me, I think it'd be fun to debate some people. Maybe not during playoffs, but we'll line it up at some point and we'll have a nice conversation. Whether you're a Leafs fan, who else do I rip on? Everybody. Bring it on. And we'll have a nice conversation. You'll get to go on the show. We'll, you know, it'll be fun stuff. Right, Tim? Yes. And I actually did launch the, I set up the voicemail thing over the weekend too. And this is going to be like, uh, so people can call in. Cause that was the thing that they said the most that they wanted was a chance to call in and engage with the show. So we'd be able to handle more of those than we would actually have guests on it. So I think it'll be really good. So if you want to call in, leave a voicemail. It's the number is 980-522-8146. Just leave a voicemail and we'll play some of the best ones on the show. Probably coming up with that 500th episode uh, in a couple of weeks. You could also call 781-308. I still get texts sometimes from three years ago. If you want to know Tim's number, go back to one of our earlier shows. It's on there somewhere. You can text him. <laughs> but what's that number again, Tim? Give it all one more time. 980-522-8146. It's all over our socials too. So give us a call and uh, we're going to be doing a lot more of that in the future. I love it. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Give us a call. Give us a call. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 